0: I'd like to start by asking if you could state your full name for the record and then spell for the record your first and last name.
1: Um, My name is Leanne Du, L-E-A-N-N-E-D-U-K-E.
0: And Leanne, do you promise to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Yes. Now, my understanding is is that you are uh, an office manager. You deal with financial reporting and accounting and payroll and human resources and health and safety. Yes. So you've, you've got quite a, a, big, a mixed bag. And my understanding is is you're here today to tell um, what happened with your father, Wayne Duke, when the COVID um, pandemic arrived and we started having restrictions on us so can you basically start with explaining that you were his primary caregiver and what that means
1: yes so i was my dad's uh, primary caregiver he had um, advanced parkinson's disease and advanced dementia so he was living in a retirement home at the beginning of the pandemic
0: okay Um, and what type of care did you did you give to your father?
1: When he first went to the home, they were supposed to take his care over, but there was a lot of problems with that. So I would go in every single morning, Monday to Sunday, and I would provide his medical care. Um, He had a pump that was hooked up to his, um, he had a tube that went in his stomach. Uh, There was a hole which was called a stoma, and so the pump would diffuse medication into him consistently throughout the day. Um, The stoma required proper cleaning every morning and night. So every morning I would go in, I would provide his medical care, Um, I would also clean his room, I would trim his nails, shave him, cut his hair, um, clean his dentures, stock the depends in his drawer.
0: So now, in addition to having the stoma, your father had another condition that made cleaning his room very important. Am I right about that?
1: Yes. Yeah, so that was his Parkinson's. Um, he, was, he had advanced Parkinson's, so he couldn't have anything in front of him. His room had to be, like the floors had to be free of objects. His furniture had to be around the perimeter of the room because if anything was in front of him, um, like, directly in front of him, he would, his whole body would freeze and he would fall.
0: And my understanding is, especially with regards to the stoma, uh, you attempted to train the staff at the facility, but they just were not up to the task. Yes. So when you say you went in every morning before work, this, this was essential care that you were providing. Yes. And, yes. and then you're telling us you went every night for two or three hours.
1: Yeah, so every, every night um, before the first lockdown, I would go and do his medical care every morning. And then I would drop his dog off, who would stay with him for the day. And then as soon as I was done work, I would go and I'd sit with him and hang out with him for two or three hours every night before I went home.
0: Now, <clears throat> the first lockdown, my understanding, came um, March 31st, 2020. Can you tell us about that experience and how it changed things?
1: So I I received a call on March 31st Um, it was probably around lunchtime from the owner of the home and she said I was no longer allowed in to provide his care and um, his dog was no longer allowed to be there either so she said when you're done work you need to come get his dog and you can no longer um, come in in the mornings to provide his care. So this went on until um, I was locked out from March 31st until October 21st was the the day I was allowed back in.
0: And then when you were able to attend back on, (coughs) well, let me just back up. Even though you weren't able to attend after March 31st, you were allowed to take him to medical appointments. Am I right?
1: yes so all social absences were not permitted they weren't allowed to go out for social absences but if they required a medical absence um they were i was allowed to take him to his medical appointments so when i would um he had a lot of medical appointments because in two and a half years he lost um, 17 dentures so that required a lot of appointments to replace those and So every time I would take him out, I would check his stoma and it became extremely infected. And also when I would be talking with him on the phone, he would be wincing in pain all the time, um, telling me how bad his stomach hurt. And not once did the home ever contact me as his uh, power of attorney for care, as his substitute decision maker, um, to notify me of the state of his stoma.
0: OK, now, you had um, actually documented what you're speaking about by taking photos yeah. of a stoma. Am I correct with that? And David, can yes. you help me? I've got this up on the computer. Can you pull that up? So <coughs> Leanne, my understanding is these are all photos that you've taken. And yes. I'll scroll down. But the um, well, actually, I'll scroll up. You had typed in there, this is how the stoma always looks in my care. And that's the top picture.
1: Yeah, so that's how his stoma is supposed to look.
0: So when you describe that there's literally a tube going into his belly, there is a tube going into his belly here. Yeah. And that doesn't look inflamed or it doesn't look dirty at all?
1: No, and, and that's how it always looked when I was doing his care every morning.
0: Okay, I'm going to scroll down to some other pictures you've taken. And you've, you've typed into this document, these are pictures taken of his stoma. During the first lockdown, I took these pictures when I took them out to medical appointments. Yes. So <clears throat> we will enter this as an exhibit so that the commissioners will be able to refer to this whenever they want. Um, but <clears throat> how, how would you describe the difference in these pictures just for the record?
1: so the like his stoma was just oozing all this discharge and pus you can see um what they call it uh, a skin tag which developed right around the hole that was very inflamed and large and um i'll also say like once i was allowed back in in on october 21st within one month, I pretty much had his stoma looking back to normal. But it was like this during the entire first wave lockdown.
0: And I'm just going to scroll down. There's another um, photo and you have typed on here, this was his stoma on March 26, 2022, when the home changed his plan of care from cleaning his stoma morning and night 14 times a week down to three times a week.
1: Yeah. And the home told me that his stoma was not infected with this picture on that day. They told me there was absolutely no infection and his stoma was fine.
0: So, so not only are, are you seeing these, these, uh, his stoma in a, just an awful condition, but he's reporting to you on the phone when you're having phone conversations that it's uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. He would be he wouldn't say it was directly related to his stoma. He kind of lost that capacity. He was just, he'd be talking with him and he would just start wincing in pain. Like, it was just like, oh, like he'd constantly be making those sounds when I was talking to him on the phone. And I'd ask him what was wrong and he said it was stomach pains.
0: Okay, now you had said earlier in your testimony that you weren't able to drop his dog off every day. So can you explain for the commissioners what, you know what the routine was and tell us about this dog and then tell us about the effect of your dad not being able to have the dog every day
1: it was very detrimental to him so going to a home obviously um wasn't my first choice but he required required care 24 7 and it was a very big adjustment to him so being able to drop his dog off and have his dog spend the day with him um, in spite of his Parkinson's, he would still go out walking every day. So he would take his dog on these walks every day. And he would—he um, he had a background in training dogs. So he would sit there and he would train his dog in his bedroom. And we just really enjoyed spending time with him. And when his do- um, dog was no longer allowed to go to the home to be with him, he kept thinking that um, he had his dog and he lost him. And so he would actually start wandering. Um, there was a time one night, it was uh, around midnight, I got a call from the home that my dad had went out and he was looking for his dog at midnight because he kept forgetting that his dog wasn't allowed there and he kept thinking he lost him. There would be other nights I'd be talking with him on the phone and he kept, he'd be all depressed and he would and I'd say what's wrong and he said well you lost him and I would say I lost too and he'd say well well you lost Ozzy his dog and I would say no I didn't lose him he's here with me but he couldn't comprehend because he wasn't seeing his dog every day and it, he became extremely extremely depressed
0: Okay. And so, and my understanding is, is your dad had basically a walkout unit with his own door to the outside. So even though he had his own door to the outside, they wouldn't let you drop his dog off for the day? No. Now, When you were able to come back in, in October, 2020, that was because they made an exemption for essential caregivers?
1: Yeah, so um, it was in September of 2020, I believe the government classified essential caregivers and said they had to be, um, they could no longer be a strict, um, restricted from providing care. So I was allowed, the home finally let me back in in October to start providing his care again.
0: Sure. So
1: when I was um, allowed to back in to provide his care, they said, you can just come in your dad's patio door in the morning and at this time the public health was saying if a caregiver was providing any type of care and you were in a certain proximity you had to wear face goggles you had to wear gloves you had to wear a gown and a mask and there was also all the screening questions you had to do and i can say not once um during that time that i was coming in his patio door did the home ever screen me Did they ever ask me for my weekly PCR test result? And they were also the ones that were supposed to provide the gown, the gloves and the eyewear. And not once did I ever wear anything like that while he was at the retirement home. I would just wear a mask and do his medical care every day.
0: So this home that wouldn't even allow you to drop his dog off at his door when you were allowed to return back didn't comply in any way with the testing, yeah. screening, and PPE requirements at the time. Exactly. Now, your dad eventually got moved to long-term care. Can you tell us about that?
1: Yes. So he his dementia was getting worse, and the, the retirement home was quite negligent. So on September 1st, uh, 2021, he got a bed in a long-term care home. So... Um, before he went to the long-term care home, I had told them I'm not vaccinated. The director of care said, oh, that's not going to be a problem. You're still going to be allowed in. And um, and so from September until December, I would go in every single night. Um, I guess, well, actually, in the, in the first month that my dad was there, I was going in every morning, um, every night after work. And then I'd go back in at 10 o'clock to train the nurses on his care. So they took over his stoma care. And then, so come October, I was just coming in every day after work, and I was taking him out walking. Um, He had a high incidence of falls, so they confined him to a wheelchair. So so he wasn't allowed to walk anymore. And I was very worried that he would quickly lose all his muscle mass. Mm -hmm. So every single night after work, I would come in, and I would walk him in the parking lot. So I'd, I'd, go, I'd come in and I'd say 90% of the time when I would get there, he'd be sitting in wet briefs. So I would have to change him and clean him up, put new pants on him. And then we'd go out walking in the parking lot every day.
0: And <clears throat> did a point come where you were no longer able to take your father out?
1: Yes. Yeah, so on December 10th, I got a call in the afternoon that um, due to my vaccination status, I was no longer permitted entry into the home. And it wasn't even in the government directives until December 15th. So December 15th, the government follows suit and they banned all unvaccinated um, caregivers from long-term care.
0: So were you able to have him for any short-term absences after that time
1: from december 10th until december um it was 29th or 30th the home um and the directives allowed social absences at that time but if i took my dad out on a social absence when he returned they required him to be antigen tested upon return and then he'd had to have a PCR test on day three and a PCR test on day five.
0: And because so, of his dementia, that was problematic, wasn't it?
1: Yes. And his Parkinson's, he was constantly moving around. His, um, he, he had constant sudden movements. And there's a lot of literature on the negative effects of swabbing individuals with dementia. It can be a very scary experience for them. So um, even so Christmas Day, my dad was technically still allowed um, to have a social absence. But prior to this, the activity director from the home called me and she said, due to your vaccination status, if you take your dad out for Christmas, he will be required to be isolated for seven days in addition to all the testing. So it was um, a very hard decision to make. I i said to myself like this could be his last christmas you never know so do i leave him in there so that he doesn't have to go through the testing and be isolated for seven days or do i take him out and i decided to take him out um because like i said if this was his last christmas and he spent it alone it would just it would kill me inside so i took him out and um he was very despondent however so on december 10th when i was no longer permitted entry within three days he lost his ability to communicate he became completely despondent he just he gave up this was there were so many lockdowns during the three years and this was it for him he he just completely gave up Mm -hmm. and so when i brought him out for Christmas. He had no interest in opening presents. Mentally, he didn't really seem to be there. He was just despondent. He didn't care about food, which if he knew my dad, he loved food. And he didn't He didn't care about food. He didn't care about his dog. Um, he was just, he, he just wasn't really there mentally. So I brought him out for Christmas. And then the next day I called the home and said, I would like to speak with my dad. And they, the nurse told me, you can't speak with your dad. He's in isolation. And I said, well, surely you have to have uh, a cordless phone. And they said, no, we don't have a cordless phone here. I said, you cannot lock my father up for seven days in a room and completely deny him access to even speaking with his family. So I spoke with the administrator, which is the owner and also the director of care. And they said that they would get a cordless phone. Um, But during that next week, they never told all of their staff. And so I would call in and the staff would tell me they didn't have a cordless phone. And I would say, you do have a cordless phone. So that week I was only able to speak to him about three times while he was completely isolated in his bedroom. Um, And also on, on the Saturday, I was telling him, you're going to be, you have one more day, you're going to get out of isolation, you have one more day. And on the Sunday, I called him. And the nurse said to me, I'll bring the phone to him. And I said to her, what do you mean you'll bring the phone to him? He's supposed to be out of isolation. And the nurse said, well, didn't you hear the entire home's in lockdown? My dad ended up spending a month straight locked in his bedroom all by himself. So he the the effects of that mentally he he wasn't there anymore.
0: <laughs> right, he he wasn't able to come, recover from the isolation.
1: No, he um like I said he he lost his ability to communicate um in mid February social absences were permitted again so I could at least get him out of the home and take him home um during the entire time when there, when it was permitted, I would take him home every Saturday and have lunch with him and spend the afternoon with him. And, um, so once that was permitted again in February of, uh, 2022, um, I would bring him home. He could no longer feed himself. So I'd, I'd make food. I would have to feed him. He couldn't communicate. He, he just completely gave up. He, I couldn't um, walk him anymore. He had completely lost all of his muscle mass because um, the home would tell me that for them to have somebody walk him, they needed, due to health and safety reasons, they needed two people. But they were short-staffed all the time, so they didn't have two people to take the time to walk him. So um, during the time I wasn't coming in, he completely lost his ability to walk, to communicate, to feed himself, everything.
0: So he's a completely different man. No, yeah, yeah. You, you weren't my understanding is so you're able to take him out for short term absences, but sp- yeah. but from December tenth, um, twenty twenty one, you were not allowed in. Um, but then no. you you were allowed in after he died.
1: Yes. So he suddenly passed away on September seventeenth, twenty twenty two. So I had not been sorry. I had not been allowed in the home from December 10th until September 17th. And it was very difficult. How do you fulfill your power of attorney duties when you cannot see what's going on inside the home? The day after he passed away, I called the home and I said, I need to come collect his belongings. And so the home said, yes, you can come in to, to get his things. So my mom... My friend and myself, we went there on September 18th, and the home let all of us in. None of us were screened. None of us were tested. They didn't even, there was no documentation whatsoever. They just let the three of us go in, take his things, and go.
0: So this this home that was so concerned about you showing up, even if you were tested and screened, had no concern with the three of you going in and wandering around the facility.
1: Yeah. And and on that note as well, I'll also say um, during that time from February 22, 2022 until the day that he passed, so I was not allowed inside the home. There came a point when I couldn't get my father into my car anymore. Uh, My friend would try and help me, but we were both getting hurt. My dad was getting hurt. So I could no longer get my dad home. There was no accessible uh, transportation in my town due to the pandemic. So I couldn't get my dad home with accessible transportation. So I was, however, permitted outdoor visits with him. So I would go and I would have an outdoor visit with him. Not once did they test me. I was never screened. My father wasn't screened. Um, after our outdoor visit, yet we would be in the same proximity had I been in the home or had I taken him home on a social absence where he was um, being required to have all the testing.
0: So I'm going to ask you, um, having experienced all of this, if we were ever to face a situation like this again, how do you think we should have done things differently?
1: Um. (laughs) there are so many reports that are written by many levels of government Um, there's the national seniors council the chief science advisor there's also the patient ombudsman who has released all these reports as early as 2020 and in these reports they stated the importance of continued access to um, caregivers to the effects of the lockdown the government has not listened to any of um, the scientific evidence that came from these reports that talk about the detrimental effects on our seniors. There's um, the Long Term Care Act, and I'm, I'm just going to. I just
0: I do have to stop you just because we're about nine minutes over, and, and like yourself, we've had another witness that's been waiting for a couple of hours. But is it fair to say that that you're of the strong opinion that there's just no way that caregivers should be separated from loved ones?
1: there's not and um, it's a time at a time when they're in a long-term care home is when they need their family the most my dad was already suffering from a disease that took away that was taken away his body that was taken away his mind and then the government took away his family and his support and he had to go through that alone Um, i would like to say that the government needs to treat our seniors with respect and without discrimination because they deserve to enjoy equal opportunity and be able to live fully in the life of the province, in the life of Canada, the same way as every other Canadian has been afforded.
0: And Leanne, I'll just ask the commissioners if they have any questions for you. And, And they do not. So, on behalf of the National Citizens' Inquiry, I thank you so much for sharing this story. I don't know if you can hear, but the, the audience is clapping, and it, it's thank just you. so very important to hear from people like you, and, and thank you so much for sharing this thank with you.
1: us.